Welcome to Subject Matter Tabletop, the podcast about board games and the subjects that animate them. I am Jordan Tynes. And I'm Steve Gotzler. We are joined here today for another designer deep dive at Gen Con by Damon Stone. Damon is a designer of such... Uh, numerous talents. I mean, too many to name the titles that you've worked on. I will mention, of course, the legendary Android Netrunner, which listeners of the show will know I'm a huge, uh, not aficionado, uh, connoisseur, appreciator, somebody who plays badly all the time, uh, (laughs) but loves to get their uh, ass kicked on Gen Techie for fun. Uh, But also many of the games, Game of Thrones, LCG, Call of Cthulhu, the card game, but also subject mattery titles like uh, Free at Last, which you co-designed, right, with um, Ted Torg. Torgan, Torgenson, yes, and um, 10 to 1, which listeners may know formally as Liberation Haiti, which was a 2021 Zenobia finalist, uh, but is now uh, 10 to 1 and forthcoming. Yes, Thank congratulations. You. Thank you. Um, so, Damon, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, trust me, it's my pleasure. Liberation Haiti, or 10 to 1, now, was also a big, like an important thing in the development of this show. So, like, seeing games like that that were being produced for that competition uh gave us the idea of like, oh, wait, games are capable of tackling serious subjects and in ways that are both interesting and can potentially be profound. And we could, we could like spend hours talking about this <laughs> with people. Um, so I want to thank you for that as well. Um, so maybe we could just start off by um, having you share a little bit about your, your design uh, story, which is to say, you know, how you got into designing games. You know, have you always been fiddling with game design? Is it something that came later in life? How did you come to this? Uh, well, I started, I think, with the uh, just really into games. Uh, mm. My dad first taught me chess when I was pretty young, and that really sort of helped me, like, just perceive, like, oh, like, there's this thing that people yeah. do, and so I just started playing a bunch of different kinds of games, and. Uh, Given my age, and both the age at the time and the age that I am now, mm. basically when I was born, there was a lot of very not good games. Mm. Uh, a lot of not very interesting games, a lot of not very interactive games, a lot of games that were wildly unbalanced or mm. even just boring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then some that were just wildly fun, but also entirely unbalanced. Or, you know, just it was the day of like, you know, Milton Bradley and Parker Brothers and uh, all of that kind of thing. And mm. they would buy anything that they thought that, you know, oh, well, we'll probably be able to make some money off of this and the game might be particularly good except for X or Y or Z. And um, the first place that I am conscious of having done this is uh, with lots of people, actually, is Monopoly. Yeah, right. Where, you know, m- most people don't really seem to know what the actual rules of Monopoly yeah. are. They have so many house rules that they learned from somebody who learned them from somebody who learned them from somebody who made them up. Right. Because yeah. the game is not great. Does Monopoly have a rule book? <laughs> it does. Because the game it does. sucks. Uh, uh, so you yeah. have to make up your own rules to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it must have a yeah. rule leaflet or something, it, it, right? It, yeah. it definitely has a rule book. Um, yeah. The biggest issue with Monopoly for anybody who hasn't played it uh, is that it, it's a very basic roll and move. So mm-hmm. you roll the dice, that tells you how many places you can move. You don't get any choice in that. It's not, well, I rolled a total of seven, so I'm going to choose to go five, and then we'll just let the other two go, yeah. like move up to this number. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just no choice. You just roll your dice, you move. The choice thing comes in, where I landed, does somebody own that? Yeah. If not, do I have the money to buy it? Mm-hmm. If so, do I want to buy it? Right. And you'll notice that those questions I just asked, a lot of them are yes, no gates. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's, it's just, it's just binary. Yes. You have, yes. Somebody owns it. Boom. Shuts everything down. Yeah. No, nobody owns it. Okay. Do you have the money? No, well, okay. it doesn't matter. The tree yes, is like, now. it's like two tiers. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not deep. It's not yeah. deep. You know, and the answer f- from a strategic um, perspective is almost always to buy it. Yeah. I mean, unless it is a really bad property, at least the first time around, you just want to collect as many things as you can yeah. because that will turn into money later as other people land on it. Um, trying to save your money so you can get like, you know, Broadway and Park Place uh-huh. sounds uh-huh. great, except 
you've got to go all the way around the board before you get an opportunity to get those. And because you don't get to choose up to a certain number for your roll and move, you might not land on that. Yeah. So you can't try and save your money going into it. So yeah. it's just not a very complex game. Uh, and the idea of like adding little bits and pieces here, like there's the standard, like, oh, all of your taxes go underneath free parking. And if you pay to get out of jail, it goes underneath free parking. And whoever lands to free parking gets the money. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, because yeah, yeah. very mm-hmm. quickly you start getting people who who dominate the game from a financial perspective. Mm. It's like, if I got lucky enough to land and get a number of uh, high-priced properties that you're going to have to pay if you land on, then I start collecting your money Mm. and you start losing money. And the only way you really get money in that game is by going all the way around. We get $200. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I own a set of properties and I put a house on there, that $200 is spoken for every single round. And so it's just like finding ways of making the game engaging for people who started losing. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend who's like, okay, so here's the deal. This game is supposed to be about monopolies. And the way that we're going to make this also relatively realistic is uh, you can just cheat when you're the banker. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Just like, you you know, select a little extra money, Uh scale a little bit less when (laughs) you're going like, and as long as you don't get caught, it's fine. Like that was the rule that he he did. Start start breaking the implicit rules around the house to to make it more fun. It's kind of a long running joke on this show actually, but I mean, it is, has those complexity issues that make it not fun, but also like the system of land rent that, partially underwrites monopoly capitalism also sucks so mm. like the fact that monopoly sucks yeah. landlord the game right it's like oh yeah about. cool this yeah. is so fun yeah. and so maybe it's a great subject matter game yeah. well, I mean, well, probably I mean, not in if you look back at the original version which you know yeah. on the other mm-hmm. side of the board was the exact opposite of monopoly right, right. it's like oh yeah, yeah so you start off understanding that like you know this sort of rampant you know laissez-faire capitalism you know robert baron-esque is terrible for everyone except for that one capitalist Um, and even then eventually it becomes terrible for them because like okay I've got all this money but there's nobody left who's paying me rent who's doing yeah so you know you win but you also kind of lose but that's too deep for most Uh you know people but the opposite side where you're like oh now we're all playing a communal game like if that was still the game of Monopoly as was being put out like I would have very different feelings so that's where you're design started was uh, taking games that you were faced with that were unsatisfactory and improving them. Yes. Literally, that is exactly how it happened. Um, And then I got hooked into... uh, I had played a bunch of CCGs and Mm -hmm. uh, including the original Netrunner Mm -hmm. by Richard Garfield and Wizards of the Coast. CCGs is uh, is what for our listeners? Oh, um, collectible card game. Yeah. Yeah. So So Magic... Yep, Magic the Gathering yeah, is yeah. the first of that variety. You buy a set of cards, and then you put them together to make a deck, and then you play your deck against someone else who's mm-hmm. done the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I got rid of all of them because I had a job. <laughs> I had a rent. I had a car note to pay, and I had a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And that meant that I was not having any money left. Sure. So something yeah. had to go and uh, I wasn't going to get rid of the car. I wasn't going <laughs> to become homeless and I wasn't going to get rid of my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Although, you know, arguable now that that might've been the better <laughs> choice concerning that relationship. Should have dated the cards. <laughs> Should have dated the cards. Yeah. Oh, that black Lotus is looking very pretty. Today. <laughs> um, and so I got out of it and then my best friend growing up was like, Hey, there's a new CCG. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I've given them up. I've been, I've been clean for five or six years yeah. now. Yeah, you know, yeah, I got yeah. my little chip. I don't do that anymore. I, you know, yeah. I, I went through my 12 steps. <laughs> I made my apologies where I could. Yeah, I am. I'm not interested. And then he says, but it's a Game of Thrones. And it's like, oh, my favorite, you know, series. Yeah. Yeah. Which at the time I think was a trilogy. Yeah, duology, sure. Not that it's gotten uh, much farther yeah, than that. Sure, I love yeah. George. I really do. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to play, but I'm only going to play with your cards. I'm not buying into this. If you want someone ah. to play, you know, I'll show up, I'll build a deck, and you can you know, rip it apart when you want the cards that are in there, and I'll just build another one. That's the way to do it. But we're playing with your cards. Yeah. I'm not investing. That's what I do with that game at Steve's house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. And then they uh, 
introduced a new faction, which was Martell, which was my favorite faction in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was a lost cause. Uh, and so just, the the Dorn cards hooked you. Huh? Every time I think I'm yeah. out, they pull me back mm-hmm. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sort of just became the thing. I got very deep into that game, started doing um, set reviews uh, on dedicated forums. I started mm-hmm. doing um, al- alternate format tournaments for people to run in local stores. Oh, okay. Um, you know, some just like, hey, everybody's got to have a thematic deck and you, know, mm-hmm. you can only use mm-hmm. uniques or it's a Highlander format yeah, and yeah, all yeah, these yeah, yeah. things if you're going to do this core set, but you're only going to be able to do, you know, X amount of cards from each other set, mm-hmm. you know, just different mm-hmm. things to make it so that you didn't have to have a whole, an entire collection. So it was easy for people who were new to come in things that didn't matter how much money you had really spent. Um, because for me, it was really about the play and the subject matter. The theme was amazing to me and the game itself, uh, originally created by Eric Lang, mm-hmm. then taken over by Nate French was just so good. The mechanics fit the feel of the game and i played for a while and i played for a while and then the currently designer at the time um, nate french uh was a lurker on the forums that ah, i posted on regularly he poached you yeah uh-huh. he, he reached out and cool. said you know do you have any interest in playtesting and mm. i'm like what does that entail and he told me i'm like yes and <laughs> so i just started doing that and various opportunities um sprung up at uh, Fantasy Flight Games, yeah, which right. was the producer, uh, the publisher of A Game of Thrones, the card game. And he knew that I was really interested and it was never the right position or the right time. And then eventually it was like, hey, so here's the deal. I am switching over to a new game um, that I'm in the middle of designing right now and I'm not going to have the time to continue this and you're on my short list of three people that I would like to hand the game over to. Mm. Would you be interested? And I like leaped at the chance, yeah, clicked my yeah. heels, and said, "I'm there. Let me at it." Cool. And so I got interviewed and I got the job, and that Amazing. started my whole like official, you know, design. So what career. took you down the path of of you have a pretty cohesive career path when it comes to these card games, mm-hmm. um, but then you have a couple of interesting little titles in there right free at last uh 10 to 1 forthcoming right yes. um, mm-hmm. and so where do those come in how do they fit with your yeah. practice and and what do they satisfy for you as a as a designer uh well i think that they're not really a departure from the kind of thing that i uh, that i do uh what i'm probably most known for is combining themes and mechanics mm-hmm. pairing them together and having the having the opportunity to address um, moments in history or subject matters that are maybe not as well known as they could be or should be mm. uh, things that have not been explored in the tabletop game space before in games that have an opportunity to teach and not necessarily, but not um, excluding from a classroom perspective, mm. but like, you know, as an American, I went to public school and I learned, you know, a particular set of things that were passed mm-hmm. as history. Yep. And uh, as I got older, as a you know a black child, my parents thought it was very important for me to understand the history of our people in this country. Mm-hmm. And not infrequently, the things that I learned from them and from their pushing me to read books that were, you know, college level, um, you know, African-American studies, things Mm -hmm. along those lines, very much didn't sync up with the general narrative that I was getting in, Mm -hmm. you know, junior high or high school. And that really sort of like sunk in, like there are these things that happen that are important and had a huge impact on who we are as a people, who we are as a country. And most people really have very little understanding about those subjects and thought it would be really nice to be able to bring some of that, you know, to 
to the table for mm. people to get a greater understanding and appreciation, especially in the case of, sorry, of 10 to 1, um, mm. formerly Liberation of Haiti. Like, there are so, so, so many Napoleon era, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, conflict simulation. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, here we have, you know, a Napoleon era conflict simulation. It's just from a completely different perspective than is pretty much ever really seen on the table. So what are you hoping folks get out of playing 10 to 1? What, what, I mean, you're hopeful that they teach, right? So what are you hoping that we learn by, by playing that game? Uh, I would really say that understanding the how special the the revolution there was the self-emancipation of a people and the abolition of slavery throughout an entire country happened by black people um you know i recently saw a um a what i want to call it a news i i saw a talking show <laughs> with a particular uh female black program. host um who was talking about how uh, you know, the first country to, you know, abolish slavery was England and, you know, it was by a decree and, you know, these things. I'm like, no, no, Talk no, no, that's not, yeah. that's not how that yeah. happened. Uh -huh. The very first one was the liberation of Haiti, of the liberation of the Haitian people by the Haitian people, cool. like these enslaved yeah. Africans <clears throat> did this themselves. They were so successful at it and they made France pay so much in the process that, you know, the National Assembly was like, okay, well, we're just going to abolish slavery throughout all of our colonies. Mm -hmm. And like that, they were responsible for that. You know, the Haitian Revolution is responsible for the makeup of the United States the way it is. The Louisiana Purchase would have never mm -hmm. happened oh. if... Napoleon hadn't been so desperate for cash mm -hmm. and recognizing that he had no foothold in the new world anymore. That having, you know, having that area of the United States or, you know, of the North America that would eventually become the United mm -hmm. States, having um, that whole swath of land with this new country um, pretty much blocking most of the Eastern, uh, Eastern um, sea access to it. Yeah. Like there was just, need of money, having these other wars, I'll sell it to America. We don't have, you know, the colony of, you know, San Domingo anymore. Mm -hmm. How are we going to be able to, to do this? Like, it, it just makes no sense. We're going to stop trying to continue to expand the empire in the new world. So that's a, that's a big, broad piece of history it's it's a, it's a gigantic <laughs> moment in time and the ripple effect is huge and it's wonderful to hear you talk about it and and the way that the that that happened in sort of a sequence of, of events transpired um do you do you think people will get that from the game and and or <laughs> or, or, or is there so then how do you how do you reconcile that is what i'm saying uh, you're, um, you're trying to trying to get at like or um are there things that you're going to do to maybe like give people an opportunity to make those connections as a result of playing your game yes there'll definitely be a uh, a booklet that talks about the history of the colony underneath france um that will extend past the moment of the self-emancipation mm. of the mm. Haitian people, mm -hmm. but before it, I should say, the self-emancipation of the enslaved Africans in what we now know of uh, as Haiti, mm -hmm. uh, before mm -hmm. it actually throws off um, France and declares itself an independent country. Uh, and... So there will be a booklet, but I'm also trusting people that A, they are naturally curious, mm -hmm. and B, that anyone who's going out and buying a historical conflict simulation is very predisposed to being a history nerd. Mm. So, sure. you know, they start seeing these things and it's like, oh, okay, well, this clearly, you know, represents a thing here. And I really want to learn more about it because all of these little nuggets that are dropped through uh, the rule book and seeing how the gameplay works allows people to start to wonder. 
And if any of them were already just, you know what, I'm just going to pick up a book about Haiti and I'm going to read it until I become super aware of what their history is, they would have already done so. Mm. I did see on BGG, there's a forum post on 10 to one's page. It says, are there any good books on this subject? And Amazing. nobody's replied to it yet. <laughs> nobody's I nobody's replied to it. I, I haven't go. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I had, I definitely would have answered because there are so many, yeah. so many well, uh, books. Uh, uh, that's actually a nice segue to a question I was going to ask, which I'd be curious to drill down a little bit more just into your process mm-hmm. broadly, but specifically because we've been speaking about it with regards to 10 to 1. I mean, you mentioned... Uh, this is a subject that you had been learning about since your upbringing when you were receiving education from your parents and other people. Yes. Uh, but is specifically the Haitian Revolution, is that specifically something that's been like a personal subject of interest for you for a while? Or was it, oh, an idea f- for a game and then you had to go seek out more resources about that uh, conflict? It's a little bit or? closer to the second. Okay. Like, if I'm going to be completely yeah. honest, it was... <laughs> the musical Hamilton that ah, really okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sparked the idea of this game. Um, it was very specific to the fact that after Hamilton blew up, that people started like having opinions about Aaron Burr and uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know Alexander Hamilton and his fiscal policies. <laughs> like, <laughs> these, like, and not people who are like super history nerds like I yeah. am, like just regular ass people who are like. Oh, so here's the thing about Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, and, right, right, you know, right. the you know, the the engagement and war of words that you know he had about policy with Alexander Hamilton. I'm like, when did you read a book about this? It's like, well, you know, I you know, last year I saw, you know, Hamilton uh-huh. and and I'm like, wow. Okay. I mean, like just the idea that something that is not created specifically to be instructive of history. Yeah. Um, that is specifically meant to entertain, but about a historical subject. Yeah. All the things that happened in regards to like specific dates yeah. and um, who was allied with whom and when and positions that were being held that are expressed in the musical are all true. You know, they're certainly set up in a very fictional setting because last time I checked, you know, mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton was, you know, a white guy who couldn't rap. He was definitely <laughs> not, you know. Really? Lin- and, and I guess I was misled. I was misled. <laughs> uh, um, so, like, yeah. but the idea that, like, oh, like, you could have something that is actually just entertaining and it can spur people to want to learn yeah. more. And that is really what got me, like, Oh, like, yeah. you know, I, I, I love Haitian cuisine. I love Haitian culture. I love Haitian music. I love mm. Haitian dance. Um, I have uh, a whole side of my family that is Caribbean. Mm. Um, and so, like, I, I want to say that I identify uh, with the Haitian people, but I identify with the struggles that they've had to go through. Sure. Um, and I recognize... Um, their contribution to Western society, even though so few people do. And I think that it's just really important to put that out there. So I had to do a, mm. a fair amount of research. Like my original idea for the game was just oh, liberation 80. It is the whole Haitian revolution. And I'm mm. like, this is going to be like a twilight Imperium, like <laughs> level game where it's going to yeah. be five or more players and yeah. it is going to be five or more hours. Uh-huh. You're looking at an entire, you know, yeah. day. You limit your spent, audience there. Um, vastly. Yeah. Uh, vastly. I, I love this idea though of like Toussaint being a frame of reference within tabletop communities in the way that Benjamin Franklin just started coming up in conversation. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I think that would be magnificent as an outcome. Um, in terms of like, and this is just a, this is just a shot in the dark. So I don't want to put this. In, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I'm curious to hear you respond to this. Do you think you know the person who's curious about this topic, having read the BGG stub, and says, "Are there any good books about this?" Is there something they might get out of playing a game about it that they might not be able to find in a book? Is does the game have a role to play there as well? It's not being the end all be all of the subject, but offering a different way of engaging with it, do you think? Um, I don't know if I would say that they couldn't find it in a book. Yeah. But I would say that they're going to be exposed to some things that they are unlikely to find in most books. Most books. Uh, when we are dealing 
with non-European descended people. They're particularly in conflict with European people. Mm. Things are frequently interpreted in a way that is the most flattering to the European uh, powers that mm. are being examined. Uh, I have read so many books and read so many comments uh, in various social media about how the Haitians just got lucky, that they didn't really win the war. It was that the French and then the English and the Spanish um, <laughs> lost hmm. the wars because of malaria. The mosquito really uh, the ones who beat them. The you know, that yellow fever was the one that really was responsible. And I'm like, I... There's a lot of historians that write very similarly. Um, but there are a couple, and you'll have to uh, forgive me if I can't actually remember uh, the names of the two people that I'm thinking of. One was um, a, uh, a French Catholic priest uh, in uh, the colony of Saint Domingo, but who was writing contemporarily mm. about the goings on that they were witnessing. Mm. And he's pretty clear about the, oh, like, you know, no, there was this engagement and, you know, these enslaved Africans just mm -hmm. kicked the ass of, you know, this entire, you know, colonial force. It's like, oh, well, here's actual, like, French grenadiers uh, and, oh, no, no, they, they got beat too on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. But today we can look at how many people were coming in from France, how many mercenaries from other places in Europe yeah. were being hired, um, how many um, colonialists were being part of the colonial militias uh, and the fighting that was taking place. And we can see that there was a concerted effort on the part of the Haitian forces to trap those military powers inside cities, behind city walls during fever season. Oh, there you mm -hmm. go. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you have all these people who are trapped behind you know these walls. They can't leave their fortifications. They can't yeah. go out and get fresh water. They can't get fresh food. They can't get all these supplies because they're being, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, barricaded yeah. from you know an embargo and they are just sweltering in the city in close proximity and dirty and you know malnourished and they start dying mm. well i mean as the saying goes like you know fool me once mm -hmm. shame on you fool me twice shame on me and then the next season rolls around and the same thing happens again all of these big armies are getting stuck and trapped in places their supply lines are being cut and so the only place that they can retreat to the only place that they can ensure of getting any kind of supplies is if they go to this one port city mm. if they do this thing if they do that thing and so when this happens you know season after season after season after season you recognize like oh no 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 this is not accidental this strategic. is strategic yeah, yeah. yeah. And cool. the ability to be out and spread out and not be, you know, maintaining that six foot social distance. Right. Like, yeah. As we all now yeah. have a bit uh -huh. more awareness yeah. of sure. what that kind of thing yeah, is like. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this was, this was intentional. These were not dumb people. These are people who had to deal with things like malaria in their home uh, countries, the in their yeah. home kingdoms, in their own, you know, family territories. So they knew about this stuff they knew how to stay healthy and avoid the worst effects and as an end result they were able to stay much healthier and that hmm. allowed them to fascinating you know, i can already things. see the way you're describing it i can already see game mechanics starting to yeah, emerge here yeah, yeah. right yeah <laughs> right so uh that's a great another great segue jordan jordan the segue master these aren't planned um Segui you mentioned even. your like trademark thing earlier you said sort of like blending theme and mechanic Right. Yes. And so I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about how that kind of like core principle for you as a designer, how that changes or is perhaps 
um, navigated somewhat differently if you're thinking about themes that deal with subject matter such as racial discrimination and protest or enslavement and revolution? Mm-hmm. Do you think about different things designer-wise when you're trying to marry theme to mechanic, or do you not let that drive your decision-making in the iterative process? How does that work for you? Is there... Well... Maybe uh, more than one answer to that question, but yeah. There is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you uh, talked about like civil rights movement in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the game with Ted for free at last. Um, you know, the struggle for equality. And mm-hmm. the, the mechanics were in a large part there already from Ted's original, uh, original, original design. And then through his own iterative process in playtesting, um, the game proceeded to make various changes. And then I was brought on board and I made some additional changes. For me, what I was really trying to do was isolate his core loop. Um, what is the thing that we are asking players to engage with in regards to the game? And how can that uh, reinforce the experience of what the game is meant to simulate? Um, luckily, you know Ted's uh, original system was very robust and very well, like mm, thematically uh, strong in regards to like, oh, there are these projects and you are having to gather forces that you're going to bring to, um, in an an attempt to push forward this project. So it's like, ah, we have this, um, you know, bus boycott and we need to marshal our forces and we need to bring them there and we're going to have various, um, citizenry, some in official capacities, some in personal private capacities. Mm-hmm. They're going to be actively striving against um, you know, the NAACP, the SCLC, SNCC, Core, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth. And he had like this, you know, idea about rolling these dice and you have these red cubes which were like the uh, people who were present mm-hmm. um, representative, but you know, as the people and you had these white cubes that were representative of resistance and you had these blue cubes that were, so the white uh, cubes were personal resistance. Blue cubes were more of like official resistance. They're your okay. sheriffs, your deputies, okay. um, your firefighters, your garbage men. Like the history okay. here is mm-hmm. weird yeah. and fascinating yeah. and terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. And but his original inspiration for it had been uh, a war game that he really liked. So he was taking some of his cues from that. And so mm-hmm. you know, you the very first original one had um, like critical role charts that you had to look mm. at. And so you're comparing the dice to this thing, and then that would tell you how many white cubes were taken away versus blue cubes versus what you rolled and how many red cubes you had. And they would roll back to hit you back. And it was very much uh, a, a war game. By the time I was actually brought on, um, those kinds of tables had been taken away. The critical mm. uh, roll tables had been taken away. And it was a bit more, a bit more approachable to me having to look up through a book to be able to interpret a roll of dice and then having to do this multiple times, having to have a table in front of me, uh, is an immediate, um, barrier to entry, Mm. like hardcore war gamers. That is not a problem at all. They will, you know, walk over broken glass to play something that is in good and accurate representation of, you know, a conflict. But, like I thought the subject matter was too important for that. Like I thought it was really necessary for people who are not hardcore uh, war gamers to want to play it. Mm. And so, you know, I taken a look at the things that he had done and it was like, how can I uh, streamline? How can I simplify? How can I refine the, the things? And so again, like most of the meat was there. It was now just me helping like, okay, well, one of the things I found was just the most fascinating uh, was this concept of a dynamic die. So, like, an X on the die 
and that X was a different number depending on oh, what cool. you had done previously and what had been mm. done to you previously. Ah. And I'm like, let's put that everywhere. Like yeah, every yeah, yeah. die has an X and there's all of these different ways of um, raising and lowering the value that that you know, X is going to be depending on how well you're doing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like things like that because uh, also changing it from the idea of the cubes being um, groups of people to the cubes being um, representative of uh, values. So mm. red was actual just commitment, not mm. how many people could you commit to this, but what was the commitment level of the activists that were part of that project. Mm. Like how many people uh, were dedicated to this boy boycott? Like that's cool. Yeah. You know, to, to picketing at this lunch counter, how many people were willing to sit there and have hot coffee and salt and stuff yeah. just thrown in their faces and poured on their heads. And like that kind of thing is gonna take a toll. And on the other side, the white cubes were social resistance. Again, still that, personal person you know that person who's yelling and screaming at poor like you know six-year-old you know ruby bridges as yeah. she's like just trying to go to school yeah right um and then you have the blue cubes as the systemic resistance and so that is the policies and members of government who are actively working against uh equality because you have to remember is that during mm -hmm. this time period like you know the Supreme Court had already made a number of rulings about what was legal by the Constitution mm -hmm. and what was unconstitutional in regards to laws. So, you know, um, Brown v. the Board of Education had already passed. That was how Ruby was getting into school in the first place. But that wasn't the end of it. Right. Right. Like, there is this whole, like, you know, resistance, both official from you know the states from the governor all the way down to like deputized garbage men mm. um when they're like we need a couple 200 300 more people to stop these negroes from yeah. doing this thing it's like great well we have garbage men and we have firefighters let's just deputize them oh also we have clan members let's deputize them right sure uh so the the again like the bones were all there for me in that game it was just a yeah. lot of refinement it's and finding ways like oh so certain um projects succeeded uh that would help lower certain kinds of resistance as oh. you were being able to gather your right forces and you know um get things in front of the courts, which are represented by these uh, player cards, these event cards that you have in your hands yeah, that you can yeah, play yeah, yeah. that will shift the balance. They'll add some more red cubes. They'll reduce the, the blue roll dies. Like, oh, I get to roll this twice because I have this one particular leader, you know, at this place. And their thing is that during a voting registration drive, um, I get to roll two blue dice and I get to choose the lower roll. Um, and it's because like, you know, this one particular representative of the NAACP's LDF, that was their deal. They're like, I am hard on the voter registration and I will take this to court and I will win because this yeah. is what I do. Right. Yeah. This is, this is super interesting to hear you talk about the mechanics that way. And I mean, I guess this is a, kind of a way a transitioning from this segment to the next would be, um, you know, you're, you're great at describing how the mechanic is illustrative of some aspect of that mm -hmm. historical context, moment, movement, whatever it is what we've been talking about, all, all the topics above. Um, are there other things going on in games that you're, you're I mean, we're here at Gen Con, it, it, obviously, because it's super noisy uh, is in this, in this <laughs> podcast. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, are there things that you're kind of looking out for? Are there there are other projects that you you're excited about, or games you're excited to try that are that are sort of fall into this category of that you're sort of seeing as wow, that mm -hmm. has a lot of opportunity to be descriptive, mechanically or otherwise, mm -hmm. of that particular subject. Sort of. <laughs> okay. Um, the the long and short of it is, I'm 
always. I'm, I'm, I'm just a big fan of, you know, tabletop games yeah. in general. So any game whose mechanics reinforce the theme is something that I want to play. Um, from a like specific like subject matter, particularly dealing with like real life topics, mm -hmm. um, whether it's current or historical, um, those are always things that I'm like on the lookout for. Uh, like I give some shout outs to like my Zenobia crew, like, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Molly house is yep. yeah, like, we're very excited. We're supposed oh, to see sneak oh, peeking like, it tomorrow. Like, yeah. I'm like drooling over yeah, that game. I yeah. cannot wait. Um, the, wow. It's like, there's, there's so many of those games. Like they were all amazing. Like yeah. I was just talking to, um, John Truitt at um, University of Central Michigan, mm -hmm. who is putting out. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name. Rising we'll Waters? Uh, no, oh. but that's also a great okay, name that yeah. I'm super <laughs> excited about. I actually got to uh, play, uh, to be taught by uh, Scout and play a, an early iteration cool. of it. And cool. I am like, my legs are bouncing. I'm like, I really yeah. want to get my, my hands on that game. Um, because just like we, she and I like went back and forth and noted about the history and the mechanic that she has for the flooding. Mm. And it's just like, oh, well, did you think about this? Did you think about that? And like, not in a like, let me tell you how you can improve your game, but in the like, so like, as I'm listening to you, like you were just saying, like, you know, as I was talking to you about these things, like different types of uh, mechanics started to come to mind when I was talking mm. about 10 to 1. And so as she's telling me about the histories of like these, you know, floods in uh, the Mississippi River, like, different ideas about flooding mechanics uh, came to mind. And I'm like, so you've settled on this one and I'm super curious about why, because as you're talking about it, like I could see this, but you see this other thing and I could see this. And so like, there's just all these different directions that mm. you know, she could have gone in. And so like nerding out about those kinds of things uh, mm -hmm. as uh, designers, yeah. like that's my bread and butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm super excited about Rising Tides. And the other one I think is from lightness to dark or from uh, darkness okay. to light. Yeah. Um, it was the, uh, the uh, women in education um, in the Philippines. Oh, okay. This is a Central Michigan press? Uh, or yeah, do, I believe oh, this okay. is yeah, uh, yeah. either either they are publishing this one or he was talking to someone else in regards to uh, it being published someone else. But he and I were talking about that game. And again, it's, you know, I, I vaguely remember hearing something about that game. Yeah. I think it, it, it's, it's cool. a very specific topic. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And the gameplay is great. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, as she had said, it's like, I'm not really a gamer or a game designer i'm like mm. I, I i i've seen your game shut up <laughs> you are both uh, like yeah. you absolutely this may be the first thing that you've actually put together but this game is amazing and brilliant and i will own it cool. <laughs> that's great um anything else that you've seen around the con that you can think of uh not off the top of my head like i i i okay. we're we're day two, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's a little overwhelming. First, yeah, I've, it's I've a, spent my first a lot day just walking around <laughs> trying to scope out all the places that yeah. I need to go when mm -hmm. I have a little bit yeah. more time. Well, cool, so. we've got some rapid fire questions here that might draw out some other answers along those lines. Uh, I need to pull out my little list. Okay, uh, this is the rapid fire round, which we mentioned before is sort of like a funny take on the James Lipton thing. Uh, I'm going to start first. So, easy one. What's the last game that you played? Oh, well, that have been right before I came up here. And that game was Retrograde, which was a take on Galaga as a oh. roll and write. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was actually super fun. All right. This is a little harder. What is your personal favorite game? Oh, you're killing me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, personal favorite game. Today. Um, yeah, that would be a little easier. Um, <laughs> if we set aside anything that I was involved with. Desert Island game, um, maybe. Yeah, think about it that way. It could be your own design. Screw it. Yeah, it could be okay. your own design. Okay. That's fine. So, uh, well, there is a game that I am currently, uh, well, I've pretty much finished designing. I am reviewing the, uh, the final rule book mm. um, as done by the tech writer and... Uh, graphic designer and it's 
looking really good. Um, uh, but it's not coming out, I don't think, until like right before Christmas or maybe even like uh, Q1. Can you um, share the name of it? I cannot. Okay, well, then we'll, oh, we'll wow. be on the end But I can tell you that it is a it is a reimagined deck builder. I, I'll tell you that okay. much. Um, but okay. it is, I think, actually like the favorite thing that I've, oh. I've made, and it's got a lot of replayability. Intriguing. So, Desert Island, I would have to choose that one. Okay. Otherwise, it'd be Gloomhaven. Okay, great. <laughs> Good, cool. fair enough. But that's a really big box of how did I get into a desert island. Could with be repurposed you can, on you the can island. You could use it as a boat. Yeah. I, could, I mean, at that point, then, I'm not trapped on a desert safety. island. I could, you know, just paddle uh, to the next uh, inhabited uh, island. Okay. Um, maybe not your personal favorite, but objectively, in your opinion, the best game you've ever played. Oh. Slight best difference. game. It's not Monopoly. Yeah, we know that much. <laughs> it's definitely not Monopoly. <laughs> Best game that I've ever played. Wow. I thought these questions were supposed to be easy. Well, they get easier, trust me. These are the My brain is melting yeah, out of my ear. Yeah. Um, I think that if I had to say the best game that I've ever played, it would actually have to be um, Arkham Horror LCG. Oh. Um, it is, it's a bad Speaking my language. builder. Um, <laughs> But also with decks, and it has yeah. like a campaign setting, and so you can play it alone. You can mm -hmm. play with people, mm -hmm. and you're all playing together, but you're fighting against the game. And yeah, yeah it's just really good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's all great. right. They get easier from here. Great. Co op or competitive? That depends. Am I playing with or without my wife? Mm -hmm. If it's with. Partners are always it's, the sort of wild card. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, we, it's or definitely siblings. Siblings can be tough, oh, too. Definitely Parents. competitive. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want to be on the same side as my sister in a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's much more fun if we can both be petty and trash talk yeah. against each other. So, yeah. Um, favorite snack for board game day? What's your go to? Munch? Beer. Beer. Great answer. <laughs> Same. Here, a dark, chewy, you know, uh, imperial stout or a, a quad. Yeah. Yeah, nice. What do you want to see more of in games? I uh, definitely have to say I'd like to see, oh, in the game itself. Um, in games, it doesn't even really matter because it's going to be the same answer regardless if we're talking about the game, the players, the designers, the artists, the art. Um, more diversity. Hmm. Uh, there's just need more diversity. Of course we do. Look out in that vendor hall. You'll see. Yeah. That still definitely needs to be the case. What do you want to see less of in games? Uh, less of games. Uh, less games where theme is an afterthought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, agreed too. If you could see any shape in the form of a meeple, what would that be? <laughs> What's your dream meeple? My dream meeple, um, my dream meeple, and you will uh, appreciate this, Steve. My dream meeple would be a teacup giraffe. Oh, oh wow. cool. All right. It's one of my favorite pieces of art from Android Netrunner. It's yeah. a little, little um, tiny genetically modified giraffe inside of a purse. Wait, Amazing. which card is this? A celebrity gift. Oh, uh, okay. A little, like quantum, a little like quantum predictive. Giraffe, giraffe. Uh, quantum I like, predictive I like would it. be my yeah. my netrunner meeple. I think. If you could see, okay, there's a good. If you could see any subject matter turned into a game, but you don't have to be the person to turn it into a game. <laughs> That's what, important. What would it be? But it just fully realized, and you ha you didn't have to do any of the of the hard thinking to figure it out. But you would have to get to enjoy the game. <laughs> um, I think that I would have to choose um the oh i know because it was a game that i was considering and i was just like oh my goodness this is going to take so much research and so much time <laughs> and i don't know if i can start it right now um the building and maintaining of a colony um in the great dismal swamp oh oh cool okay. all right that sounds Dismal Swamp is not fun. <laughs> um, all right. If you could see any game turned into some other cultural form, right? Like movie. Uh, Steve always says you could turn it into a fresco. A terraforming you know, like, Mars is a fresco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would the might be game, better as a fresco be, than as a game? Ooh, <laughs> shots fired. What uh, would the game pew, be <laughs> and what form would it take? Uh, 
I mean, I'm very tempted to just be snarky and say a Game of Thrones as a book oh, series yeah, yeah. that has <laughs> been completed. A completed book series. <laughs> okay, good, good. That's that's. Let's just leave it there because I agree with that. That's fi- yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I would love to read those books as well. <laughs> George doesn't listen. So. <laughs> Maybe he does. I still love you, George. Uh, okay, and there's another easy one. Dice or cards? And I think I know your answer. Maybe. Uh, I, I would have to say cards. Yeah. I'd have true. to say cards. Or for almost anything, if I had yeah. to choose between the two, it would be cards. I love me some cards as well. All right, final question. Um, this doesn't have to be the only piece of advice, but if you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring game designer, what would that be? Uh, if it's somebody who had yet, not yet started, it would be find a game and rework its rules. I oh, mean, it's the same yeah. way with that for me it was with, with Monopoly. Monopoly. Yeah. Um, because that really makes you have to look at what the designer did do and what you would want to do different. You need to know why. Yeah. Um, because it's pretty telling when you take a game that you don't like and you recreate it with all the things that you've always wanted to do and you still don't like the game. Cool. Then you have to start like, really examining like, yeah. why. That's a very practical piece of advice. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, on that note, I think that concludes our session here. Yes. Thank, thank you, thank so, you much so much for speaking thank with you. us, Damon. Thank you both. Absolutely really appreciate, pleasure. appreciate being here. Um, yeah. And you've Taking inspired time me. out of your con yes. to, to hang out with us and talk yes. about your games. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thank we you. really appreciate it. Yes, we both really appreciate it. And you've inspired me to re-examine the notion of Netrunner cards for not just meeples, but now I'm imagining all the tattoos oh, you could get <laughs> from their Fun favorite thing. icebreakers. I was walking through uh, the con yesterday, and I saw somebody with a Hasbiroid uh, oh. tattoo on their arm. Maybe like, they were a biroid. I'm like... Nice tat. A tattoo? And he turns and looks. He had lots of tats. He turns and looks at me like the the husbyroid. He's like, thanks, and sort of like turns away. And I just start laughing as I walk in a slightly different direction. I don't think he had any idea who yeah, I was. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it it tickled me. That's great. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and uh, we appreciate your time. And yes, thank you. This and has been subject matter tabletop. We'll see you around the table. 